So, Ed, we're back again for another Game Club. Feels very hot on the heels after the last one, having taken a little bit of time in between. For for once, you didn't feel like the need to take the weekend off. No, that's right. I'm back, baby. Providing essential services for the people or something like that, anyway. Steady on. Well, no, actually, (laughs) podcasting coming under news and media is an essential service. Yeah, I mean, uh, all joking aside, um, people have expressed an appreciation for this podcast still existing while all this is going on. So we're going to keep doing it because we... We've been socially distanced for 10 years doing this uh, remotely, so we're happy to do that. And and there's an infinite variety of old Manchester United games to watch and talk about. Yes, not quite infinite, but pretty damn close to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hopefully actual football will exist before we get to the, the end. Of, I mean, we might end, it might end up being like we're, we're covering 1-0 wins against Brighton at some Under point. Moyes. But, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it gets that <laughs> desperate, folks, we're, we're done. Were there any 1-0 wins over Brighton under Moyes? It feels no. like that would be a 1-0 loss at that point. Yeah, no, I don't think and Brighton were in the Premier League at that stage. Anyway, how have you been? What, what, uh, what's up in Paul land? Yeah, good, actually. Um, I, it, was, um, it was my birthday last week. And so then, it was. You are uh, old. So old. Not, I mean, literally not as old as you, obviously, as, as is the golden rule of our lives. That's true, but in percentage um, terms, it gets smaller every year. Yeah, it's true. That's true. I so am effectively counts? catching you up. <laughs> um, and then, uh, like, I had a busy week. Yesterday was a two Zoom quiz day. Oof. Like, that was that was fun. Um, yeah, invite me to your Zoom quizzes, people. I I, I was very pleased to be invited to because my one of my like New Year's resolutions this year was to meet some new people. It's obviously like slightly difficult under the current circumstances, but it's a good way to meet new people doing that so the only new people i meet are amazon delivery drivers yeah that's it and then today's been a two movie day i watched um the fast and the furious oh yeah spoiler warning for patron backers you might want to get in on nqat film club which is going to be starting pretty soon as we uh as we're working our way through the Fast and Furious series to talk about for bonus content i don't know if i could say i recommend watching along but I don't know if you're really at a loose end. It is an experience, anyway. Yeah, there's certainly some uh, mixed bag in terms of quality there. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, the first one is so cheesy. It is definitely not suitable for vegans. That movie, it's real. It, it really rides the line between watchable and unwatchable. No, it rides the line between magnificently glorious and completely unwatchable. It's some. It's one of the two, or perhaps a bit of both. Um, we we'll get on to and that then, later. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and the other movie I watched was the uh, Springsteen musical Blinded by the Light. United Connection yeah. there because it was directed by the woman whose name I've forgotten who directed Bend It Like Beckham. Yes, um, I've seen that. It's pretty good. I mean, light. Yeah, very super light. light. Yes, which is yeah, so well, I have been working my way through the Fast and Furious series, most of which I hadn't seen before, so I'm coming at it the first time round. You- you're welcome, brother. I decided to watch Star Wars in uh, timeline order. Uh-huh. Because why not? Some bad yeah. films in there. <laughs> really bad. I, like, now I think we're at the point where there are more bad Star Wars films than good Star Wars films, which is a sort of upsetting equation. But Ah, maybe. You know. I, I quite like the all the uh, all the modern ones. So that's, even that's, Solo, that's the key, which isn't is it? high on the cheese factor. Yeah, but Donald Glover real good in yeah. that, isn't he? Anyway, so football. Oh, so you, of course. So you watched Solo before you watched. Did you watch Solo and Rogue One before you watched between the prequels? Yes. And ah, yes. So, good. so I, I can like see it. whether the the narrative holds together or not. So it <laughs> yeah. sort of does. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they got a. Or I was going to say they got the callbacks right in the the, the call forwards right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I've been watching The Mandalorian as well. Good. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Yeah. Mm. I like I like the fact that in an era of over like plot arc television, any kind of long form series, you're sort of expecting the long plot arc to be the dominant part of the story. I quite like having a kind of 80s action show really episodic thing when you've got a little bit of overarching narrative but really each episode is very kind of a standalone story like the a-team yes sort sort of yes it's not really standalone i mean it's not like star trek 
next generation standalone where each one was I mean, standalone. I, I would, you could eat, w- watch them out of sequence. I mean, you could watch most of these out of sequence. Really, I don't. I don't think there's a, certainly like a lot of the ones I've watched so far that you. I mean, you got to watch first couple in order, but apart from that, anyway. Should we talk about some football? I suppose we should. Five minutes in, no, no interesting news or nonsense to talk about. I don't. No, think. I mean Newcastle got bought by the Saudis by the looks of it, uh, which is yeah. thoroughly depressing. They certainly won't be any Premier League pushback on that. They've long since given up on any notion of fit and proper person being anything other than have you got the cash? Yeah. And if you've got the cash, can you pay the cash? And then that's it. <laughs> You're fit and proper. Yeah. So yes, and they won't certainly won't. There's been a little bit of press pushback, which is kind of interesting, really, because there really wasn't with Manchester City. Uh, maybe they've just been. I mean, you know, it's different. I suppose there won't be any pushback from Newcastle fans. I can't imagine they they. Well, for some, definitely, it's a bit personal. It's like be like saying there wouldn't be pushback from United fans. There'd be lots of United fans who there would be from, sure. and lots who there wouldn't. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that, that's about it. No news on the resumption of football. Nothing's happened since we last recorded three days no. ago. <laughs> All right, let's crack oh, on with by the way, was... By the way, uh-huh. before we, we get on to, to a dodgy United strip, have you seen the uh, photos of United's potential kit for next year? I haven't. Are we are we circulating good? music? It... No, it's bloody awful. It looks Oh no. It looks like uh, some kind of cross between a, a a National Express coach bus seat and like hundreds of thousands have been sprinkled over United's top. That really, really, really looks like the back of a bus. It really does, doesn't like it? Fully one hundred percent the back of the bus. No, oh, I'm not. I'm not, not even. My love of left field kits doesn't extend this far. Uh, is that zebra third kit real as well? Well, I'm not sure. The the sort of uh, Nigeria style. Yeah, what do they call that? They've got a name for it anyway. Not zebra. I don't know, but listen, i got to tell you, I'm kind of into that one. <laughs> is chevrons the word you were looking for? But they're not really chevrons, these. Uh, anyway, this... Game that we're going to talk about today certainly had a, a an odd United kit. It's always weird looking back on it. It's such a sort of, it's a kit which is so attached to like era defining seminal memories of Manchester United that it's weird they're all wearing tablecloths, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The, 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 that was, uh, what was it? What was the tagline for that kit? Made in Manchester, wasn't it? It was to do with uh, uh-huh. the cloth industry or something like that in their 100% polyester shirt made in Thailand. <laughs> yeah celebrating Manchester's uh, tailoring heritage or cloth-making heritage, I guess. That's right. And, uh, and, and then, the thing that destroyed them, which was uh, imports. And then um, the irony is everybody, there, there were just tailor metaphors all the way through the following summer as every single journalist in the country said that David Moyes was cut from the same cloth as Alex Ferguson, which he absolutely wasn't, as was thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly evidenced by this game. Oh. So let, let's set context because this is seven and a half years ago. So it, it feels like we don't need to set any context because like that is just like yesterday as far as we're concerned. But say there's someone who's like 14 listening to this show, which is possible. They would have been 17, seven even, sorry, when, when this game was played. Good, about six or seven. So maybe they don't have the full sense of the, context although i guess if you're into united enough at 14 to be listening to podcasts you've probably done your history research but yeah Still, talk us through yeah. talk us through the context ed well it's it's early december 2012 city are champions from the previous season sadly we all remember that one don't like to talk about it much united are top of the league three points clear but city are unbeaten and, and so you've got the best defence in the league, City, versus the best attack in the league, United. You know, very free scoring for the 
first few months of the season. Hadn't drawn a game for 35 games or something like that at this point. Um, and the um, and the previous draw was four all, and the one before that was three all. So Fergie had like fully given up on draws. Yeah, this is the season after City had beaten United six one at Old Trafford, and the interesting thing that Fergie said before the game is that uh, he he feels like United need to be a little more attacking. Yeah, be ourselves I think we've a bit got more. to play. Yeah, we've got. I think we've got to play our way. I think last year we didn't. We maybe played too conservatively. So this is, I think, in some ways, the absolute key context for this game is not just the fact that we'd lost in the circumstances we did at the end of the season before, but that really Alex Ferguson, one of Alex Ferguson's worst ever managerial mistakes. And this game, we're going to talk a lot about his absolute genius and the, and just his sheer remarkableness. The, the back end of the previous season, we'd been a long way ahead of them in the league and he took a team to the Etihad or even the Eastlands, as I think it was then, to try and grind out yeah, a draw. With, with Park Ji-sung as number 10. And and it was one of the most... Cow- I remember at the time I was with a whole bunch of United fans in a pub watching this and we were like, Jesus, he's bricked it. As we saw the, as we saw the, the team sheet, it was really cowardly. And it's not a word you want to use about... Ferguson and it was very very rare for that to happen but he 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 saw City and he thought oh, I want to come away with the draw here which if it had worked out it had worked out and maybe I mean United literally would have won the league uh, mm. if he'd got a draw then but it didn't and it gave City an awful lot of momentum yeah and sort of sucked the momentum out of United as well um so What's amazing about that is his response was to go, oh, all right, okay, never mind, sorry. Sorry about that, everyone. I'm going to make a team that no longer is interested in defending because up to this point in the league, it does change in the new year once United get a big lead. But up to this point in the 12-13 season, United have just become gung-ho maniacs. <laughs> That's right. They're, and I mean, it's straight 4-4-2 as well in this game. I mean, it's very, it's right up top. Um, soon to be fullbacks Valencia and Younger flying down the wings. Uh, the dynamic duo of uh, Carrick and Cleverly in midfield, uh, and and a back four which is pretty recognisable: Raphael, Fernand Evans, Evra, Smalling, and Jones on the bench. How history changes perspective, Ed. Just a little quote from uh, a 2012 episode of a well-known Manchester United podcast. That was then called the Rantcast. Don't know. I've um, never heard might, of it. Y- you might remember it. Um, I believe that the phrase was "fantastic to see cleverly in there." That's a direct quote from you, Ed. Uh, context, context was- being very important for these kind of quotes. Always want to have some context. <laughs> it was actually yeah, very mean, good I- in this game, by the way. He was very good at the time, and the reason there was a reason. I, I mean, his the extent to which he's ridiculed and maligned doesn't befit really the player that he could have been without the injuries and without Moyes arriving. Because, you know, we, I mean, you literally went on to say it's really good that he was in there because Ferguson could have gone with gigs or skulls. And obviously, again, context is very key there. (laughs) If it was 2008, you wouldn't have been saying that. But by 2012, actually, a a returned skulls probably shouldn't have stayed for that season, the 12-13 season, because he really did look shot by this point. Yeah, which he says himself. So. Yeah, and actually, the Cleverly and Carrick midfield was the most dynamic midfield that United had at the time. I mean, Carrick is soft in the tackle in this game a number of times. Cleverly, absolutely not. No, no, he's like, a little ratty. Getting, yeah, it's all over the place. In the City team, I mean, there's not a lot of weak links in here. Um, Hart, Zabaleta Company, Nastasic, weak link. Clichy, yeah, had a good City career, not a great one. Nasri Torre, Barry, Silva... Balotelli and Aguero. It's a very strong City team. Yeah, I guess Gareth Barry, you would say, like Barry alongside Touré in, in their kind of basic 4-4-2, really. I mean, Aguero played a little deeper than Balotelli. Um, but Barry, I guess you could say, was a bit of a weak link in that. Yeah, in that and Silva's like not point. playing as a winger in this. He's all over the place. I mean, he's much more flexible than the United formation, for example. Yeah, or d- plays out that way. I mean, I would like to say that last week I said that David Silva's hair was a testament to Jesper Olsen. Seeing them in back-to-back games, I fully stand by that. He just 
literally has Jesper Olsen's hair by this point. And it's a strong look. I'm not going to deny it's a strong look. Um, United's central defensive partnership um, was Johnny Evans and Rio Ferdinand. Johnny Evans has a fantastic first half before getting injured. Um, And in goal was David De Gea, which I had no memory of this. Uh, but this was still during the rotation. So I, I, like I said, I went back and listened to the episode of the show we did after this game. And uh, we spend five minutes talking about the goalkeeper rotation situation. And, and in fact, we, we kind of talk about the fact that we've talked about it every week. And it's clearly the big ongoing topic. And just we're both utterly baffled that it was ever a conversation. There you go. And, and all set that is all set up for a cracking game. Absolutely. And and up front, Rooney and Van Persie for United just... Uh, by the way, like I think by this point, we all, all slightly thought Rooney was on the decline. He is... This is like the best way. I mean, obviously, we saw the next seven years. Like if he played like this for the next seven years, uh, our show would have sounded a lot different because... Uh, oh, sure. No, he, was he, still he has great. a really good game, Rooney. Yeah. Re- really good game. But by the end of the season, of course, Ferguson's trying to ship him out. Yeah, and apparently, so Tyler talks about it during the commentary for this game, um, that he's, Ferguson has like challenged Rooney to score more goals, has publicly linked the club with a move. I mean, Tyler intimates that Ferguson has been briefing that they're interested in Lewandowski as a replacement for Rooney by this point. Um, Whether that was to try and get a rise out of Rooney or whether it was a kind of long-term revenge strategy for Rooney having embarrassed Ferguson twice, basically. Um, it, it, or maybe he just felt the player was in decline. But Yeah, I, I, with Ferguson, I'm never quite sure that he always knows the exact point to get rid of a player. I mean, he's definitely made some high-profile mistakes, probably too early with Beckham, definitely too early with Stam. Uh, he's brought some players in that are way over the hill. I, you'd say that Wenger was the... The manager always knew when to sell. Didn't know who to buy. Yeah. I mean, major weakness there, but he definitely knew who to sell. Well. And 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 then Ferguson got this one right, though, because although Rooney does have after this a pretty good season under Moyes, first yeah, season, ish. I mean, he's okay in a, in a really failing team. He's on the decline, quite a sharp decline. Yeah. And, of course, Arsene Wenger crucially made one, fairly serious mistake with selling players although not that he really had any choice in this because there was one full season left in Robbie Van Persie when he was sold Worth okay it. the other the Worth other is amazing he, at this time he's uh, Robin Van Persie is United's oh no it's not a record signing but it's a it's a very big signing it's up there in the top 10 of United signings or something like that it's 24 million yeah now, it's like, 24 million? You're buying someone from League Two? What? Yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, we might go back to that after the old coronavirus shakes out. 24 million is a big signing again. Um, the, the, the Van Persie thing is the final piece of context to discuss before we talk about the game, which is, of course, that we'd lost the league on goal difference with basically the last kick of the season and Ferguson has gone. Told you we don't like talking about that. <laughs> no, but you have to really to talk about this game. Um, and Ferguson has gone, right, what do we need? Well, midfield's a bit shot, but hey, if I buy like a brilliant striker, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? And so he buys Van Persie, who really is either going to go to City or United and he basically decides the destination of the league title this season by making the decision to come to United. The little boy inside him said go to United, and, as he said. And he really did reap the rewards in this game. So let's start talking about the game. The first note that I've got is there's an absolute reducer. Like, proper, this is 2012. This wasn't, you know, 2001 or 1991. Cleverly starts the game with a full-on reducer on Aguero and Atkinson's just like, um, yeah, all right, fine, it's early. That's your one. You've had your one. Yeah. I mean, City are complete dominant though, aren't they, for 10, 15 minutes, something like that? Uh, yeah, for half an hour bar bar literally bar, two bar, passages small, of play yeah. small yeah. small pass i mean from the from the 10 minute mark to the 20 minute mark united actually had quite a decent amount of possession but not doing much with it but no. uh yeah so i mean first chance five minutes in balotelli free kick david the hair pushes it around the post um there's a there's a really nice pass with silver really nice period of play with silver and cliche and 
Balotelli volleys over. Could have been goal. Could have been two up in ten minutes. Yeah. I guess. Um, there, there's uh, just a, a really nice rhythm to City's play. I mean, it's not Guardiola football, is it? It's it's just a kind of modern European football under Mancini as manager. Um, yeah, it's a lot but, of a lot of kind of pass and move, a lot of real incisiveness from their creative players, and, and Silva and Aguero and Toure in particular are obviously. I mean, we know they're all fantastic players, and they they are all really good at this game. I would say, or at least like really effective for periods. Um, there's one bit where Yaya has the ball and he's kind of bursting through midfield, and Carrick goes to tackle him, and it is it is embarrassing. There are definitely moments in this game that make you realise why some people hate Michael Carrick as much as they do, because there's some, his his weaknesses in those areas are significantly exposed, let's just say. But, you know, he also puts in some lovely passes as well. We hope you're enjoying the No Question About That podcast. We are open for sponsorship, so if uh, you run the kind of business that would be interested in sponsoring our show, just drop us an email at nqatpod at gmail.com. Yeah, a few minutes later, an outrageous dive by Yaya Torre, but that's that's after the goal. Uh, anyway, just oh, <laughs> shocking. But 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 I mean, so like City are completely on top, basically. And you know, United's one v one defending is pretty good for that period. And then Evans, Evans and Ferdinand, twice. yeah, Ferdinand, um, Evans giving, reminding everyone why he probably should still be at the club. I mean, right now you take him. <laughs> Uh, intervening years is a touch and go, I guess. Um, but he has a very good, very good passage of play. Actually, Raphael down the United's right deals with uh, Silva, who drifts in and out. So Balotelli and Silva sort of share duties on the, the left-hand side. The cliche, he deals with that pretty well, I'd say, for most of the game. Definitely one of those ones that shouldn't have been sold. I mean, we didn't get an upgrade there until this season. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not sure you'd have him in the side over AWB, but every single fullback between then and now, you would have had him in the side over. Um, you would have, well, uh, you'd have Pete Patrice Evera at left back over everyone in the side, and he's he's his normal self, like his normal 2012. So he was back, he was back by this season. This was his last hurrah, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have um, him inside right now because he's just an Instagram influencer. <laughs> yeah, one of the better ones, I guess. Uh, so it's a fantastic finish from Wayne Rooney after a pretty simple counter attack. There's uh, Ash. Um, so there's a bit of interplay between Van Persie and Young in the build up, and then Young gets two defenders to come with him uh, with a little feint to the left. Like it's a very subtle movement, but it, it really just pulls a couple of defenders out of their stride as if he's going to try and go outside them. And he immediately squares it to Rooney, who, I mean, Rooney is fantastic. He just runs right, shoots left. It's just fantastic. Shanks it. I mean, yeah, per- the perfect shank. Yeah, no, it's it's not the cleanest of strikes, but it's a uh, it's great movement and and lovely balance to be able to cut it cut it back that far and completely wrong foot. Joe Hart, lovely movement from Young and Van Persie to to get it into him in the first place. It's a really nice goal, but. But United, basically United's first proper attack. I mean, when they talk about goals being against the run of play, this is one of the most against the run of play goals you'll ever see in your whole life, really. And I remembered United being good in this first half. But really, I think a lot of United's best play was actually in the second half. And um, the the other thing I remembered about this game, because that was my main experience of watching this game, is it's just nothing like I remember. I remember United kind of dominating the first half, deserving their two-goal lead, and City really, like, hammering down the door to get to the second. But that doesn't really happen until really quite late on in the second half. So um, the City kind of immediately bounced back from the goal. Aguero carves through the whole of uh, United's defence and then has a sort of slightly tame shot. Tame. Yeah, it's pr- pretty bad. And then there's a massive tackle from Cleverly, T-Clevs, big, big Roy Keane incarnate T-Clevs. Um, Rooney lays it back off to Carrick, who hits a brilliant first-time diagonal to Valencia, um, knocks it forward to Raphael on the overlap. Brilliant cut back cross, fantastic striker's movement, and another finish with his right foot into the left-hand corner. 
So both goals off, is it a right instep into the left-hand corner? Scuffed it. Yeah, I mean, he scuffed them both perfectly, didn't he? I mean, he's he's, he's good with the shins, basically, Rooney is. Um, no, who cares? Who cares? Uh, it, you know, really nice movement from Rafael and Valencia on the right-hand side. A dynamic duo. Valencia's pretty dynamic in this game. He's rubbish, I mean, though. <laughs> he's so rubbish, <laughs> honestly. He... he he actually tries to take the fullback on sometimes. he's He's got movement. Instead of, in his later years, he only had one move, which was to get the ball and square it inside. Get the ball, so square it inside. What's really interesting about you saying that is, um, at the time, what you said was, he used to really take on his man a lot, and now he seems to be getting the ball and squaring it inside. So <laughs> this was this is clearly like, in retrospect, this is Valencia still good. But at the time, this was us going, mm, Valencia seems to not be doing the thing. And there would then be a subsequent seven-year-long period where he would never take anyone on. Honestly, we, how... We to watch some games from the season where he he put it on Rooney's head like 20 yeah. times. 13 assists in the league that the season before this. But we're not watching any games from that season because it was banned from the records. Because um, it was the season before this one. But the... Um, the, the watching this game, the idea that Antonio Valencia would be one of the survivors of the next seven, you'd like, you'd look at this and go, have they had a collective malfunction in the brain department? Because well, I would yes. say that, I think yeah, that's exactly. exactly what happened. Yeah, he is the worst player in the United side in this game. Like he and and he's the one that was sort of still here. Up until. Funnily enough, though, a couple of minutes after the uh, after the goal, he's involved again. With Raphael, who cuts it back, Rooney can't connect. Probably should have done. And T Clevs, TC twenty three branded, uh, lashes it over. Could have done better. Uh, one thing that I noticed from that little passage is after the second United goal, there's a shot of Mancini on the touchline, looking kind of like shocked and hopeless, like he doesn't know what to do. And uh, I sort of felt very familiar. And then I realised it's because I've seen it in GIF form thousands of times. So it's always amazing when you see a GIF in real. It's like watching The Wire and seeing um, Weebay kind of like putting stuff together. You you realise how many times you've seen the GIF since you last watched that episode. And, yeah, <laughs> classic, classic football GIF moment. Then there's a chance for Barry... The Silver and Torre created and a potential penalty, Ferdinand on Aguero... Wasn't given, probably wasn't. Bit of, you know. Not, not nearly as much of a penalty as the Zabaleta on Ever in the second half, oh, which is 100% God, nailed on, nailed nailed on. on. Where's VAR? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely two, shambles. Two, two bits of this that had me shouting VAR from the edge of my seat. Um, the only thing notable after that, really, is half-time, in which Sunes has a go at Balotelli, oh, accusing him of lacking enthusiasm oh, and my. not getting a sweat on. And I'm like... <laughs> familiar much honestly like, I, I wasn't going to talk I genuinely I watched it I was like oh, I can't do this again on the podcast but genuinely <laughs> like, bloody hell yeah now listen the thing about Balotelli is you can understand why people got frustrated with Balotelli in particular but the tone but the subtle microaggressive macroaggressive tone it's like, I mean, and also like Mancini's handling of Balotelli is also an embarrassment. Like, he makes one mistake and Mancini kicks his toys out of the pram and immediately like, sub him off, sub him off. Like he did when he, in that friendly where he did that um, spin to do the back heel and didn't work yeah. and Mancini flipped out. Like, and a bit annoying, but yeah, soonest, Jesus. <laughs> and then your man Evans is off for Smalling. Yeah, sad. For your man, Smalling? No, no. Um, <laughs> I don't think Mike has ever been my man, but... No, I don't think he has. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just a phenomenal performance from Johnny Evans until the injury. It's really... This is probably like peak me calling him world-class. <laughs> I mean, he's injured very early in the game, actually, and yeah. and then just carried it all the way through. So, yes, this, this is a reminder of how good Johnny Evans could be and has become in his later years when he's found some consistency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were definitely moments this season where he was not consistent, but I remember this as being a really good season for him and this game might be one of the reasons why I remember that. Aguero has a shot around 56 minutes. Um, this is the first sort of meaningful action of the second half, but United United have sort of more or less been on top from their goal. That 
that was like the the period of beginning end of the first half beginning of the second half was was the time when it felt kind of most comfortable um and then absolutely phenomenal piece of play from one <laughs> Robin Van Persie, Robin yeah. Van Persie. oh my god he I'd completely so forgotten about this one me too yeah 100% I mean for what's he doing out on the left wing for a start it's just he's allowed to go anywhere he likes. So Van Persie picks it up on the left wing, cuts inside, cuts back to give himself some room on his right foot and blasts one into the top. Co- oh, no, it's hit the post and bounced out. But it's fine because Ashley Young's there in acres of space and taps home. But what's this? The linesman's an idiot. Oh, what a shame. Uh, the goal's ruled out for a, a understandable but entirely unjust offside. It would have been VARD to within an inch of its life, this decision, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, lovely piece of skill for Van Persie. I've forgotten. I thought that was just for standing on his right foot, but apparently not. And it would prove pretty cru- crucial because less than a minute later, basically, City are level. Yeah. And so I, it's funny you said you didn't remember it at all because I wrote, I had literally no memory of this. I had my memory of City's goal is it emerged out of a period of significant pressure, but it's not. It, it emerges out of 30 seconds of significant pressure after that moment. Um, so De Gea makes this double save from Tevez then Silva. Very good Str- double save. So Kind of. Kind of both. Very, let's say very good positioning, very good anticipation and positioning. Exactly. From he knows how to get into the right. And unlike his predecessor, uh, Van der Sar, he's not been at the near post when Tevez has a has a crack, and and then he's he's alive to Silva being there for the rebound. Yeah. But sadly, comes out to Tevez who lays it back to Yaya Toure, and he's not gonna he's not gonna miss one from there. Is a brilliant slot home from Toure. Another right footed shot. And right footed in step shot into the left corner of that goal, taking the total to three out of the three. Hundred percent of goals go in the same corner, um, which I wrote down. And then Martin Tyler references about seven times, so maybe I just remembered him referencing it, and that's why I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah. Subliminally, oh, there's another one goes in that corner yeah. later, of course, uh, with Zabaleta. But yes, maybe maybe that just kind of seeped into your brain. Possibly, from I guess I have watched the highlights a number of times of this game. Um, Carrick, I wrote Carrick's really weak in this tackle, the tackle in this game, and then he put in like pretty good tackle on Tevez, just as I was literally as I was typing it, and then just this game needed VAR because Cola, it's Cola, not Zabaleta. He just fully takes Patrice out. Like, ever goes mad after this. And you can see why, because this isn't like, oh, maybe it's a pen, maybe it's not. It's He just chops his legs out from under him. Yeah, and and uh, Gary Neville doing a Gary Neville and being extremely weak in the co-coms, going, oh, I don't know if there's enough in that. Oh, he's just taking both his legs out. Yeah, the, it, to be fair, he's sort of, uh, the replay goes, ooh, <laughs> like that, ooh. Yeah, I, I did actually think, it's interesting because I think this is Gary Neville's first season on CoComs and he was definitely better then than he is now. Definitely like much, he, he, he was just more humble, I think. There was less of the bullish certainty that he's developed over the last however many years it is, seven and a half years. He's taking down a peg or two, two does Brexit Gary. Anyway, Tell anyway you. there are a few moments before City are back into... I mean, it's very ding-dong, isn't it, at this point? This sort of period between City getting to 2-1 and it getting to 2-2. United are not sitting back. I mean, honestly, United don't sit back until five minutes before the end of time, basically. Uh, but um, there's chances for Tevez. Everett does well to sort of put him off. And there's almost a mix-up between David De Gea and Smalling. We'd see that record play out a few times <laughs> over the next few years. Um, there's like 15 United players trying to kneecap Yaya Torre as he goes on there. There's a brilliant piece of play, that one. It's an absolutely yeah. atrocious. Like, that might be Martin Atkinson's worst decision of the game. And, uh, you know, obviously, like, the one that I would have much rather he got right was the one that gave United a penalty. But, although I guess in retrospect, the game is literally perfect, so it's all fine. Not playing the advantage as Yaya, he bursts past Rooney, who really does try and kneecap him. Then I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Raphael because it's on that side. And he just skins them both and they both foul him. And Atkinson pulls the playback when he is through. I mean, maybe the centre-backs are in position, but 
100% that was a significant advantage denied to City. That is. And then just a few minutes after that, great chance for Robin Van Persie set up uh, by... Tom Cleverley. Tom Cleverley, brother. That's right, yeah. Sort of chips it in, doesn't he? And he's six or seven yards out, heads over, just didn't quite get his body in the right position, probably should have scored. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was quite a fast cross, wasn't it? And he was sort of, he was on sort of near post and he tried to do a flicked header, but he just didn't. He just got slightly under it and it went over the bar. Um, but yeah, just brilliant movement and, and well found by Cleverly, who's kind of adding a bit of creativity to his, his final round performance. Clichy gets, um, oh yeah, uh, Silver cuts back and fully sells Patrice Evra a bill of goods, like hands him oh. the contract. It's like, oh, or hands in the shopping list and says, could you please go and get me these things, Patrice? <laughs> yes, completely done there and United saved by the bar and David De Gea's shoulder. Yeah. Um, Clichy then gets beaten down the other end by Valencia, but then does really well to put in like a recovery tackle. Valencia maybe didn't react quite quickly enough, but maybe that's just my profound anti-Antonio Valencia bias seeping through. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing the the extent to which United do not sit back at 2-1 ahead at the Etihad. They're, they're going for this all the time and they're throwing both fullbacks forward at times. I mean, it's great. It's just so it's good. Obvious. It's so obvious, but under any of the managers after that, they just shut up shop. What's what's extraordinary about this game? So you could go through the whole team and go, okay, at their peak, probably most of this team would get get in the current side ahead of whoever's in the current side now. But like not at the level they were at then. There were a lot of players like towards the back end of their career. I had a long chat with Simon about this. There's a lot of players at the back end of their career and there's some that maybe aren't ever going to be that good. But what they have is just, I mean... The level of collective belief and the level of assurance in the wave after wave of kind of counterattacks that they send forward. The, there's just no damn. I mean, there's that one moment of doubt between De Gea and Smalling, which is a kind of like prophetic forewarning of the next however many years of all of our lives. But the the sheer Ferginess of that team, like it was really nice to see. Just. Until, until Phil Jones gets put in midfield. <laughs> Rooney goes out to the right-hand side, Jones is in midfield, and it's like they switch a switch and they go, now you're going to lose. <laughs> or try and lose. <laughs> yeah, so um, soon after that, uh, City turn up the temperature a bit um, and Raphael does okay, does well to kind of defend a... An attack, but it goes out for a corner. RVP's header at the near post outwards um, just goes as far as Zabaleta, who shoots perfectly for City fans through Phil Jones's legs. If they could have scripted the equalising goal, that's how they would have scripted it. They probably wouldn't have scripted what happened next. But No, do you think he shouted Megs before doing Jones? Quite possibly. <laughs> There's every chance that he did. Um, I mean, I guess you could... You could kind of fault the defending a bit. Maybe they don't react quickly enough. Maybe Van Persie's header is a bit aimless in a way, but I well, don't know. It, he's he's wider goalie, hits it back centrally, so that's a, that's a pretty bad defensive crime. Yeah, it's Robin Van Persie though, so he's allowed to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the atmosphere in the stadium finally sort of turns up at that point. And this is the thing: like, it's not like City fans were roaring their team through that second half knowing for sure the win was coming, it, it didn't feel like that. And in fact, having got back to two all, when the board goes up for four minutes, I was waiting for the kind of like roar, but it never came. If that had been at Old Trafford and we'd been two nil down, got back to two all and then the, they'd held up four, the whole crowd would have erupted with a kind of like, we know what's coming next. Mm. But can, C- can, I, can I let you into a secret about City fans at yeah. the Etihad? Yeah, one, there's not always that many of them. There were a lot. Two, I'm pretty sure it was a sellout. Two, a bit. They are sellouts. <laughs> yes. That's it. One and two solved for you. Um, I think that actually, because they made plenty of noise at various points in the game, I think really what this is is decades of scarring because United kind of see an extra period of time at the end of a game as a chance to win the game. By this point, City fans still very much as a collective 
see that as a chance to lose the game. Understandably so, in their case, it has to be said. Um, and then, and then City have a few shots, nothing particularly dangerous after their goal. Raphael's clipped on the edge of the box by Tevez. Clipped on the edge of the box by Tevez-ish. I mean... Solid, yeah, solid. Definitely. It's probably in the box. Should have been pen. <laughs> nice, quite nice that Tevez commits the foul, isn't it? It's sort of pleasing. Tevez on Raphael, symbolising good versus evil in that confrontation. Um, and uh, Ron Van Persie symbolising good versus evil with Van Persie versus Nasri. <laughs> Samir Nasri puts in the worst shift you'll ever see in a defensive <clears throat> wall in all of your life. I don't think a defender has ever defended, like any defender that's ever jumped over a shot that's gone under their legs has been doing a better job in the wall than Nasri does. Oh, well, that's understandable because they, they're trying to block the one that's going over the wall and perhaps take one in the face. Yeah. Here, Nasri ducks behind his colleagues and sort of limply sticks out a foot. It's mad. So the wall does move a little bit. So Jekko and whoever's to the left of Jekko do kind of shift themselves forward. But Nasri does genuinely respond to that by kind of like sort of leaning back a little bit behind Jekko. I don't know if he just gets confused. I don't think it's like... No, he just, he just at that point, he hadn't had the power of the drip doctors coming around to infuse <laughs> him with vitamins. Um, he gets his leg up, talking of drip doctors. <laughs> or, um, or over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he kind of wishes he got his leg over the ball because he catches the ball and it spins past Joe Hart for absolute, absolute delirium. Scenes. I mean, yes. the, the, scene, the edge is taken off the scenes by... Rio Ferdinand bleeding from being have stuff chucked at him. Martin Tyler gets very sort of sanctimoniously about that, and um, United players don't seem that bothered that people are chucking stuff at Rio. They're sort of more happy that Van Persie scored. There's a really nice bit where they're they're back in position to receive the kickoff, and like because there's a bit of delay in play, Ashley Young just runs across the pitch to hug Robin Van Persie. As they say, as the kids say, Ashley Young in that moment is all of us. <laughs> yes, very nice. It kicked off in the stands. Rio took one for the team. No one cared at all. Last minute winner at the Etihad to move six points clear. And as we knew at that moment, the title was on. And like happily. So, sort of. What was quite nice about this, I mean, these are some of the best football photographs you'll ever see, the celebrations after this, because at 2 all, the City fan had kindly let off a blue smoke bomb. So there's all this blue smoke everywhere, which makes all the photos look absolutely incredible of United celebrating. Um, just a thoroughly... The, the first half I thought sort of dragged a bit. It wasn't a very high quality game in the first half. There was... As United's two goals were nice, but there was nothing else really to note. But the second half is just gripping from start to finish. I highly recommend if you haven't been watching along, definitely, definitely at least watch the second half of this game if you want to watch some football. Yeah, it'd have been better if you'd done that before you listened to this podcast. But, you know, sure. hey, hey. No, it's, it's well worth watching. It's uh, great entertainment, that second half. Cup tie, back and forth, and just the, the sight of United going for it. And going for it again. Oh, and you know, like, that'd when, be nice to have that back, wouldn't it? I mean, we've kind of sort of sort of got a little bit of that back now, sometimes, in a way that, you know, certainly where there have been periods under Solskjaer where United have gone for it a little bit um, in a way that they haven't since then, but not, nothing to the same scale, obviously. Um, the thing that I, I think it's, it's obviously unbelievably poetic that Fergie won the league back after what happened in 11-12 in his final season. This is, you know, it's 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 just the most perfect end to an unbelievable career. But there's something of an added level of romance that the way he did it was by just going, ah, forget it. You know all that post-Real Madrid nonsense? You know all that kind of like, ah, well, I guess we're going to have to be more savvy. Forget it. Forget it. We're just going 4-4-2. You flipping run at them, lads. You don't worry about... We've got two perfectly good central defenders. They can take care of 100% of the team's defensive responsibilities. Everyone else, your job's to score goals. As it was in the early days of Fergie, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after this game, 
Um, and certainly after the Christmas period, once we've beaten Everton, once we get knocked out of the Champions League by Madrid, it all goes a lot. Van Persie gets injured. It all goes a lot flatter. There's a lot of one nils and one alls, and it's all quite. And basically, until the Villa game where we win the league, there's a, there's a big flat period. But this period of the season, from the beginning of the season to like Boxing Day, is just bedlam. It's absolute bedlam and it's glorious because United come out on the right end of it over and over and over and over again. Lovely stuff. Yeah. So, so on next week's show, United put in 82 crosses against Fulham. We're going chronologically. No more Fergie, no. Um, uh, we're going to do something slightly different. On next week's show, uh, we're going to cover two games, but one of them we're going to watch in full and the other one we're just going to watch a bit of. Um, and they are the debuts of the players who were responsible for the kind of the last great era of Fergie. The, not the last great season, but the last great era of Fergie. Um, so we're going to look at watch the Bolton game where Ronaldo makes his debut off the bench. We're going to watch the bit of it after he makes his um debut yeah and then we're going to watch the whole of uh Fenerbahce versus United from 2004 um which is the Wayne Rooney hat-trick debut so I'm I'm really excited to to go back and look at both of those very nice yeah me too yeah I don't think I've seen either game since then I I I was I wasn't at the Fenerbahce game I was at the Bolton game and remember feeling absolutely electric about this kid. <laughs> and that like, was Jesus, a question that would kid? be answered in some detail over the subsequent several years. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, I think we're doing some bonus content today for Patreon backers, aren't we? So um, stay tuned if you back us on Patreon. Everyone else, yep. um, we will see you on Friday next week. Take care of yourselves till then. And just as always, stay safe. Look after yourself make sure you're looking after yourself mentally as well as physically. And and if you can't do it like that, just drink lots. Works for me. Oh, Robin Van Persie. After all that, it feels only appropriate that we should um, maybe do some bonus content about Robin Van Persie. I'm pretty sure we've done a United career-specific Robin Van Persie bonus episode before. I never remember um, if- what bonus content we've done, to be honest. No, it's getting to the point where I really wish we'd kept a separate archive of just the bonus content. So then new people that signed up could go back and listen to just the bonus content if they wanted to for some reason. And also we'd have a list of everything that we've done. Um, Because we've done a lot. If you are new to this, we have done everything from like Robin Van Persie's Manchester United career to space the concept of space that's one of my one of my favorite bonus contents the concept um well it was it was sort of space exploration wasn't it ed that's what we were we were your uh secret nerdy space not fact. that secret good either uh yeah so robin van Persie, who as far as i know has never been to space he sent some united fans to the moon and back though i'm pretty sure it's fair to say with joy i mean because of goals Anyway, um, where did he start his career? In in a was it, he's a PSV boy, right? Yeah. Ah, fuck, of course, of course, he's a final uh, yeah. boy. Bookended his career by starting and finishing his career with Feyenoord. Had a somewhat better goal scoring record finishing his career there than he did at the beginning. He was a winger. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing him at Feyenoord. I do remember him signing for Arsenal though. Yeah, me too. Because he sort of looked obnoxious. As a young man, he I had didn't a like him, of... to be honest, when he was at Arsenal. No. You know, he had, happily he sang along had a with the songs about him. his uh, alleged proclivities in a bathroom with uh, a couple of ladies from a raunchy nightclub, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, the, um, the, the Van Persie, I think it's also fair to say he probably did need to mature a lot as a person. I mean, of course, we all do at that age, but I do, I think he probably would admit that he wasn't the nicest person when he was young and he kind of definitely grew. And by the time he got to United, I mean, it was a surprise to find out just how lovable it turned out Robin Van Persie was. That that was a real surprise. Yeah, and what a good player he was. Uh, less of a, su- a surprise, but of course, you know, seeing him every week gives you a different perspective on a, a player you may have occasionally watched, yeah, as good as he was. So he, 
He definitely was a winger. I mean, much like Thierry Henry, uh, Wenger kind of turned him into a striker. It's funny to think of him being... Unlike Henry, who you can kind of see with his kind of like ability to beat a man and and his physique and all those kind of natural winger quality to Henry. Obviously, he was a much better striker than he was a winger. But uh, Van Persie, it's kind of hard to really look at the player he became and think there's a winger. Although he was just incredibly good on the ball. So Yeah, very, very, very good on the ball. Very clean strike. N- not not slow, but not super quick either. Not really a, the kind of player who's going to go and take on. He's not an Overmars-style Dutch winger, is he? No. Much or, more in fact, of... really in the tradition of Dutch wingers. But, um, but in, as an inside forward, modern inside forward, sort of has the qualities to play that role. In fact, I actually think if he was starting his career over again, there'd be a lot of coaches be tempted to put him out on the right wing so he could cut in and, and score a load of goals from that position. Uh, but he played in the left wing for Feyenoord and, and ended up leaving because he fell out with Bert van Marwijk, who fell out with a lot of players, it's fair to say, over his career. It is funny. I would love to see... Do you ever watch like um, those? Uh, the BBC made this series of documentaries called Rock Family Trees about like classic rock bands and the relationships between them and all those kinds of stuff. And just like the the Venn diagram of rock stars who've all fallen out with each other and band members who've fallen out and joined up with other bands and stuff. I would really like to see a timeline of Dutch football players and manager fallouts. Like you got your Van Hal and your Cruyff, your Van Hal and say, your Koeman. Van Hal's right in the middle of all of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you... The, the Venn diagram of Van Hal plays he's fallen out with and Dutch footballers is 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 you know it's pretty it's pretty round on round, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a circle. That's it's a yeah more of a circle than a Venn diagram. Van Persie's arrival at Arsenal kind of. He did not take the world by storm. It was clear he was a talented player, but there was just just so many injury problems. And I mean, when did he first hit a 20-goal season? It wasn't till the penultimate season of his time at Arsenal, I think. Well, um, yeah, I mean, he's got 20 in the Premier League in 2008-2009. Right. No, 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 lie. I lie. It's 20 goals in all competitions. Right. Yeah. That was his first 20-goal season in his career. Yeah, and I guess that was coincided with him moving centrally in a in a pretty average, like pretty bang average Arsenal side. And like he never really played in a good team, not a really really good team. Anyway, I mean, I guess he played alongside Fabregas and and Clichy and Nasri and some some good players, but never a side that had it all together. Which uh, which year did Arsenal make the Champions League final? Yeah, um, two thousand six ish, something around then, wasn't it? Yeah, he think... he was already there then, wasn't he? Because he yeah, he was there. Yeah, because he got sent off in a ridiculous fashion um, because he didn't hear a whistle. I remember at the time thinking it was a shocking decision because it was so loud in the stadium. He played on after an on an offside, and uh, the ref thought he was time wasting and sent him off with a second yellow card, even though. And he just was pointing at his ears going like, I didn't hear, I didn't hear. It was a really, really harsh way to get booed out of a Champions League final, which your team then proceeds to concede two goals and lose. So, yeah, I mean, it's really his final two seasons with Arsenal where he he really hits a big time. 22 and 37 goals in all competitions, respectively. Uh, But even then, injury problems. So he doesn't complete more than... 20, well, 28 games in the Premier League season was his best until his final season with Arsenal. And it was kind of kind of interesting that that's when United moved for him. He's actually completed a 38-game season in the Premier League, 48 overall, scoring 37 goals. So he's not only scoring goals and he's fit. Um, and he does the same thing again at United, played in all 38 games. And then the injuries hit because he spent most of his career Injured. Yeah, I remember being really frustrated with the way that Moyes was using him and just like the whole kind of like, how can you, this is a player that really has to be treated with kid gloves and given special treatment and be allowed to run his own training programs. Because there was all the talk, wasn't there, of he kind of became somewhat of an expert on his own body. And that's how he managed to transition out of those 
all those injuries and really like had his own training programs and was very much able to run things for himself under Wenger and then Fergie um, and, and was afforded that luxury for obvious reasons. His time at Arsenal is the, the, the things that I remember most about it. Did he win an FA Cup? I think he... he 2005 FA Cup. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't particularly remember that, but I remember the Champions League final and then I just remember the Charlton goal. So do you know what I mean? When I, do you, can you picture that goal? It's um, it's one of the most extraordinary goals that's ever been scored. That's not an exact, that's not hyperbole. It's one of the greatest goals of all time. It's a yeah. a flying volley yeah, from yeah. about 30 yards out with, or 25 yards out with the outside of his boot that sp- like f- bends into the top corner of the net. It's the technique on that goal. That's just, just pure Robin Van Persie. Of course, the reason why you don't re- remember the 2005 FA Cup final is oh, yeah. that's the game we battered them. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. And they still beat us. Yeah, I remember their penalties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yes, the Charlton goal is well worth watching again. It's uh, it's outrageous. And, you know, he uh, and there was there was always talk at Arsenal that him and Henri didn't get on particularly well um, and there was a bit of a rivalry to for top dog spot there and they kind of put each other's noses out of joint a bit. I've no idea how true that is, but it's something you always used to hear. Um so I think when when we signed him, I mean I remember you and me doing at your mum's flat, uh we did a podcast which we recorded on an iPad. Um that I don't think is even in the records anymore. It was like a twenty five minute thing that we just put on Twitter. Um just reacting immediately to the news that we'd signed him and just, you know, you saying, well, it's amazing, but it's not exactly solving a problem um but it turns out he really was solving a problem because it's like if you just score an uncanny number of goals you're going to win the league well yeah that's right so that's the same summer that Ferguson signed Shinji Kagawa of course right so done it earlier and and then uh he just he just ruined Shinji Kagawa by signing Robin Van Persie because then Kagawa had nowhere to play in the team because Rooney had to play sort of just off Van Persie. And and Kigawa had to go and play on the left or on the bench. I mean, this is definitely the 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 sliding doors of if Fergie has another season, then Rooney definitely leaves United and Kagawa plays at number 10 behind Robin Van Persie the following yeah, season. Perhaps. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah, or maybe he'd have never made it, but um he had uh, he had a decent international career as well. Fifty goals, hundred and two caps. Uh, the height of which was the two thousand thirteen season, twelve thirteen, where he scored ten in ten for for Holland, coinciding, of course, with the time he went to United, and coinciding with an international manager with whom he had an amazing relationship. He was not able to convert that into an amazing relationship at club level, um, unfortunately for us. But uh, Louis van Gaal was in charge of the Dutch national team at this point. And uh, I guess the peak of Van Persie's international career is the 2014 World Cup and that goal against Spain, which I'm sure everyone can immediately picture the body shape that he held when he somehow did a diving header, hurling his body to arc. He chipped the keeper with a header, a diving header, basically. We were just saying on the pod last week, weren't we? Not enough diving headers. Diving header with a chip. Very good abs, I'd say, yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, a lot of Superman poses. Uh, it was yeah, uh, just an amazing goal. He had a great World Cup. The Dutch had a great World Cup for an unfancied team. Yeah, he, he went a bit cold after that. I remember Van Persie. He did that and we all thought, oh my God, it's going to be the Van Persie World Cup. And it, it wasn't. Because he had such a bad season under Moyes. It was just so... He was injured for ages and he just just looked like the, the little boy inside of him had got very sad that David Moyes was now in charge. Because, I mean, Fergie apologises to him in his autobiography. He says that like the two players that I feel like I, I owe an apology is Kagawa and Van Persie, both of whom I told I would be at the club for a long time. Um, I had no plans to retire when they signed. Because um, I think if you'd said to Van Persie, OK, you can play under Fergie for one season and then David Moyes is going to take over Man United. There might have been the little boy telling him to go to Eastlands, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And his uh, accountant. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, he still scored 18 in 28 in that Moyes season across all competitions, but it's an it's a deeply injury hit season. He only plays half the Premier League games. There's, you know, obviously it's a mess of a team under Moyes. It's not a style of football that's going to suit him, you know, needing to get it into the box to get the big man, get his head on it. You know, it's, uh, the confidence had gone from the team. Plenty of players in that team didn't believe in Moyes, probably when he joined. I suspect Van Persie was one of those. Yeah, I'm sure. And then it, I think Van Persie was very excited when the Van Hal links were being made. He gives that interview going, we'll be back, keep this interview. Like, we, we've kept this interview, Robin. We, we still haven't got back. So we're going to, it's like we're all going to be old and grey digging out that footage of Robert Van Persie saying keep this interview when we finally win the league again um but yeah uh Van Gaal comes in and it doesn't provide the magic turnaround that we all kind of hoped it would uh in fact Van Persie's now um really laboring and and uh, he's offside all the time because he's lost half a yard of pace and he's like creeping offside to compensate for this but he did have a kind of nice Final act after he left, he he went to Fenerbahce and uh, there was a, a Champions <coughs> League group which was final, Fenerbahce, United and one other. Should have been Arsenal, really. Or, I know it couldn't be, but it should have been because um, it was just a Van Persie tribute thing. And he came back to United and, and scored a goal and the whole crowd stood, every man jack of them, man and woman jack of them, stood and applauded. And you could see he was really moved that even though... You could see he was really moved that his one season at Manchester United had meant so much to the fans. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's enough. Look, their players still lauded for scoring two goals against Liverpool and doing nothing else in their United careers. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, he's, he has a he has a decent time in uh, a couple of seasons in Turkey. Scored a decent amount of goals and then and then followed the little boy and when finished his career. In Feyenoord, and he finished in the summer of 2019. So, you know, only just retired, really, and and signed off that season with 18 goals in 30 games, which is not bad at all for an old no, man. it's fantastic. And I remember just watching footage of that with a tear in my eye every time. Like, it, it's, an, it's amazing the amount of affection I have for Robin Pampers. Like, he's right, right, right up there in my favourite players of all time which is crazy because it literally was two-thirds of one good season at United. But it was the whole joy of his arrival and the little boy inside him stuff and just Giggsy and Skolzy and so excited and kept calling them champions and just blown away by working with Fergie. And it genuinely felt like he'd been freed from the the shackles of mediocrity and Wenger, late period Wenger Arsenal. Um, it was just magical. And then on the pitch... Right from that first game against Southampton, when he scored, he scored a hat trick after missing a penalty. He scored a penalty against Liverpool to win us the game. He just scored this goal against City that we talked about today. Just, just magical. So there you go, Robin van Persie. Good, good. It was good. Good footballer. Good footballer. Good, good player. He's had a very good career. Uh, will be, you know, ranked up there amongst the the best. Dutch players, not the best, no. obviously, but among the best. And, but in and and didn't play in a, an era of great Dutch teams, even though they made that final in uh, 2010 and and uh, semis in 2014. It wasn't the best Dutch team that obviously came in the 70s and the late 80s. But um, a very good player, yeah, more than 100 caps for his country. Uh, finally won a Premier League title after leaving Arsenal. And, you know... A lesson for all Arsenal players. It's interesting that there were... Really only had three really good seasons in the Premier League. His last two seasons at Arsenal and that first season at United. And it's sort of nice in a way because a lot of players with his level of talent... Because his level of talent is genuinely among the very best of all time. Like, his his peak ability is is almost as good as it gets. I mean, there's obviously a level above him, but that's the kind of absolute god tier level um there's a there is a there's a lot of players with that talent level and injury problems who never have their moment in the sun so it's really nice that van persie managed to kind of finally get through those injuries and have that just pure peak in the sunshine 
And it was quite nice that it happened at United. All right, I think that's it. That'll do, won't it? Oh, Robin Van Persie. I'll be seeing that all day now. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Massive, massive thanks for backing us. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Appreciate it. It's appreciated at all times. It's right now. It's just unbelievable that people are choosing to do this. It's, it means, it means the world. And uh, I really, genuinely hope that this is of uh, some comfort. So we'll we'll keep ploughing on. We'll be back with a normal show on Thursday and then a show with more bonus content next week. Certainly will. And we'll work out what we're talking about. Retrospective yeah. on Ronaldo. We'll go from one alleged rapist to another one. Joy. Uh, or alternatively, we could do the first episode of NQAT Film Club. Everybody watch Fast and Furious 2001 <laughs> between now and the next time we speak. Oh, no, and we we're not all, doing uh, nine weeks of Fast and Furious bonus content. <laughs> No, like there's at least three that we're going to merge into one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, okay, everyone. Bye now. We'll see you next week. Thank you.